single-handedly broke up my marriage. You're an awful person. You're 24 years old. Why would I listen to you? Why would you be giving therapy and advice to people who clearly need it? It doesn't make any sense, Ari. This is a horrible idea. You're listening to you're listening to unlicensed, 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 unlicensed therapy with Ari Mendes. Nice eyes. Thank you. Blue. Yes. I've heard that people with blue eyes have worse eyesight, and you have glasses. I buy that. I do have glasses. Yeah. Everybody in my family who has blue eyes, it's three out of the four people in my immediate family, uh-huh. all have blue eyes, all have uh, glasses or contacts. There you go. It's true. It's a, it is what it is. Looks you're, nice, you're but pretty, we're broken. Uh, you're pretty handsome. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Have you always been handsome? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think I really started to like... Le- like uh, I was a very chubby kid. Oh, you were? Was, yeah, okay. I was definitely like... I was never like fat, fat, but I was definitely like fat enough that you were like, athletic. I wasn't athletic. I got bullied. I was. I had you know very doughy face, doughy body, and then what happened? I, what changed? I just wanted to lose a bunch of weight. Oh, just yourself? You're yeah. Just like I was changing like, my life. Man, I'm gonna change my life. There's this book that I uh, my I think it was my junior year or senior year of high school because I remember it was right around then when I started to really just. You get into, oh, I want to look better. Uh-huh. So there's this book called Eat This, Not That, okay. which I read a lot of. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a, cl- it's a classic for weight loss. It's basically yeah. this thing where you go to, you can still go to fast food restaurants, but it says if you get this, you should get this instead. So, so like what? Uh, for example. It's for uh, Taco Bell, for example, right? Instead of getting the a standard taco, you get a fresca taco because it doesn't have cheese and fresca is it's where they take they get rid of the cheese and then they just put like a different kind of salsa on it got it and i think some lettuce too but lettuce is standard for taco bell yeah yeah. and they also said get an actual meat instead of the meat gun meat get like a grilled chicken or a grilled steak what's oh instead of the shred the beef the the beef the ground beef yes and so okay so it's saying still eat the places you want but so what's it say to get instead of french fries just don't get french fries Salads. I would just not. I wouldn't order salads from restaurants, from fast food restaurants. I just wouldn't get the fries. Yeah. Potatoes have a lot of starch and calories in them. Oh yeah, they're horrible. Yeah, potatoes but are so they're bad. So for yummy. You. I know. I had to try. I think in general now I do still love a good French fry. I try and eat less. The hard part is two in the morning. Yeah. I could eat pretty good during the afternoons if I'm not, you know, if I'm not negatively influenced. I'm not going somewhere bad to eat with a friend. Right. But if I'm by myself, I could eat well. But two in the morning, that's when I get, oh, why don't you uh, just hit the Wendy's drive through Right. That's where I'm Treat at. yourself. That's where I'm at now that I've been trying to break myself of. I've been doing, I've been getting into intermittent fasting a lot lately. A lot of people are into that. It's a good method. It's tricky at first because especially as comics are so used to being out late at night and eating garbage mm-hmm. because garbage is available to us very readily at like two in the morning. But once you get out of the habit of eating late at night in particular, then it definitely has an effect on the way you look and your weight. Right. Just so what's, what's your hours of eating? I It kind of depends. I'll either do – I'll usually do like a 14 or a 16-hour fast – Depending okay. on what my schedule's like. But I'll usually stop eating at about 6, 6, 6 or 7. Yeah. And I'll eat 
I'll wake up in the morning. I usually wake up about nine. I'll have a coffee. I'll actually be able to start eating around like 10, 30 or 11, depending on what kind of like what, what my day, the previous day looked like. Uh-huh. And even for that, I don't t- tend to eat something crazy. I'll, you know, I'll have like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever's around the house. Um, or sometimes I'll go out and get like a breakfast burrito. And then I, that's really like, I'll eat like one big meal a day and then I just kind of snack and that's okay. generally it. Wow. That's, that's the method now. That's willpower, baby. It, t- I mean, it helps immensely. I'm at this weird place where like, I'm not happy with my body, but it hasn't affected me negatively in any way. I could still go hiking. I could still make out with women. Yeah. So I don't, it's all on me to lose the weight. Right. There's no other motivating factors and that's what makes it hard. That is the hardest part. It's I mean, it's always all on you, yourself. but sometimes it's like, you know, oh, that girl doesn't like me because I'm out of shape. You know, that could motivate you or, oh, I can't play that sport. Right. That was I what, can't fit into these pants, but none of those things are happening to me yet. I decided to lose a bunch of weight when I was in high school because I wanted girls to like me and pay attention to me. Yeah. And those are did. really the motivating factor for everything in life. Oh, yeah. Some people want to admit it. Some people are like, oh, no, I just want to better myself. Bullshit. Right. You want to get more girls. Yeah. You pervert. That's it. Or more dudes if you're a homosexual. You're just trying to – everybody's just trying to fuck. Yeah. That's Everybody what makes that's, the world goes around. Anybody wants that? Fuck is fucking is a motivation for, I would say probably ninety to ninety five percent of human decisions. Look at Stephen Hawking. Right, that guy left his wife for another girl. Yeah, that guy. Stephen I know, Hawking. I didn't even know that guy can come, but apparently he could. He comes when he comes. It makes it. It's very. It's all like binary. Just zero 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 one 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 one. That's it. That's it. He must be the nicest guy in the world. I mean, I know he's, I know he's rich. Guy. Yeah, and oh, he's, he, did he die? Stephen Hawking, he's been dead. When? He died years ago. Like 10 years ago? Not or? 10, at least, I, I want to say three to five. Okay, so not that long. Ago. It's been a while. A few years, it's, but not. It's enough that I'm surprised you didn't like know when that I was he a was kid. dead. Yeah. Right. But he's obviously smart and rich. Yeah. But he must have been really nice and compassionate to pull so many girls Probably in his, in his physical appearance state. I would imagine, especially given, or maybe he just took care of them. Maybe they're like, "Listen, I don't have to hook up with the guy because look at him, and he's rich, so I'll get everything I want." You still got to hook up with him a little bit, though. I mean, I imagine I it's probably not that intense. There's I would no like to foreplay. See a sex tape with Stephen Hawking. Hawking. Yeah, I'm surprised no porno company made it. Didn't make a spoof. Maybe they didn't. I just didn't see it. A brief history of cum. The yeah. Stephen Hawking tape. I want to see a Brazzers Stephen Hawking edition. <laughs> they should do that. I feel like Bra- the, the, we, historical roast really has opened the door, I think, for more like historical and drunk history sort of reenactments, but pa- but porn parodies. Like I would love You're to see like it, Alexander Graham yeah. Bell, Ben Franklin in porn. Yeah, but those are kind of history nerd topics. And I bet you that the average porn director slash writer – is a dumb dumb and doesn't know about history. But there's also plenty of chances. Have you ever heard of pirates? Not yeah. like the concept, but the porn pirates. Yeah. Oh yeah, which yeah. was like Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Knockoff. Yeah. So, but that was you know that had a budget that had a a, a story enough to mm-hmm. where they had an edited version where they cut out all the porn parts. They did. Yeah. Oh, I want to see that. I would have. You can probably find it. Did you watch it? No, oh. but I've I've heard enough about it. I didn't hear that. I mean, I go down a lot of version. I go down a lot of Wikipedia. So they made holes. a PG version. 
I, it's probably PG like PG thirteen. But I would yeah. love to see that. Yeah, it's. But I feel like the guy who made Pirates is definitely the kind of porn who do, director yeah. who would do a historical, like seventeen seventy six, the Declaration of Independence. That's awesome. But for yeah, you know, I, think, jizz. I think you're right. Now that you talked me into it, I think there is a market out there for that. John There's Hancock, someone who can do it. Yeah. right? Would you direct a porno? It paid, let's say it paid 500 bucks a day and you could use a different name and be completely anonymous. Someone's yeah. like, hey, would you do it? Yeah. You 500 would. bucks a day seems like it's too little, honestly. I mean, I do That's it because I, yeah. I need the money right now, but <laughs> I would... I've been on a porn set before. Really? What yeah. for? When I was very, let's see, I was probably about a year or two into LA and being here. It may be, maybe like three years, but I did a web series that was set in the porn world called Dating on Set. And okay. we shot it in Chatsworth at one of the producers is a woman who she also produced porn and oh, wow. she was sort of like a like a porn den mother she was never in it herself i right. don't think she just was involved yeah and so she we would shoot most of our scenes that were like the home base at this house that was an actual porn house oh. so they should not only they shoot porn there but also like young porn girls would come and stay there wow. it was it was very cuz they're not like sleeping in bedrooms necessarily or like on beds like there were a lot of beanbag chairs around there was a it felt just it was just like you know it was like a house you know it was like a house that you'd rent out if you were in the like if if you're looking for a starter home like you're like you're trying to start a family you want to go live in the suburbs somewhere it was like that kind of house but it was just girls in their you know early to mid 20s living there that sounds like a place I want to go check out. Yeah. It was interesting. And we all shot, the p crew was all porn guys. So they were all talking about. And they were all probably cool. Yeah. Everybody was cool as hell. Yeah. it was, And the porn stars and porn actresses that we were working with are very cool and down to earth. You told me that you're cutting down on meat, but you're not a vegetarian? No. So how much, do you have a set amount? Or are you just generally just trying just to cut Just generally. Down? I'm eating less red meat for and what, sure. What, what made you decide to do this? I, well, I, it's sort of like a macro and a micro thing. Like on a big level, I've always, I keep dating vegetarians. Like most of the girls who I've ever dated in my entire life have been vegetarians. Most? Most. Wow. Out of the th out of the four women who I've had like a long term relationship with, three of them were vegetarians. That's crazy, and it just that was just it happened that way. Yeah, just you're just attracted happened. to vegetarians, or vegetarians are attracted to you. Which do you think it is? Ah, uh, man, I don't know. I think it's maybe it's a, a subconscious thing on my end because there's something about the vegetarian lifestyle where the people who are vegetarians generally seem healthier and a little bit more put together. Because vegetarianism or like pescatarian, like my girlfriend now is pescatarian, right? So she'll eat fish. Right. But that's it. I didn't know you had a girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, I keep oh, her. Even, we have almost two years. You just, what? Oh, she just, you just don't <laughs> kick, you don't take her around? No. Is she a comic? No. What is she? She's a, a writer, a screenwriter. Okay. And how'd you meet her? Bumble. Nice. Yeah, Two man. years. We've been dating two years. We lived together for about four or five months. We How's that in. going? It's good. In a one bedroom? Yeah. Wow. It's nice. Did you move to her place? Did she move to your place? Did you get a place together? We got a place together. 
And it's down. That's the, a big deal. It's down the street from my old place. She she was living with a roommate, and I was living in a place where all of my roommate previous roommates had moved out, and I was just Airbnb being the spare room. And I was like, how about oh, you yeah. just move in here? Yeah, yeah. I remember you were doing that. Because I, I, I hit you up for some advice. Uh-huh. So did she move into that? Uh, no. No. How she come? wanted to, because she said, if we're going to move in together, I don't want to move. I don't want either of us to be moving into the other person's place. I would want us to get a place together. So I balked at that at first. what was her reasoning? Yeah, what was her, Not I'm not against it, but what was her reasoning for that? For the sake of it feeling like it's a space we have together. Got it. Instead no, of it being I'll like you're this, in my space. My last girlfriend moved into my place. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like when things were kind of not going well, I was like, get out of my place. Right. And it if definitely. you moved in together, there's not really that vibe. Mm-mm. You got to work through the shit together. But I'll say this. If we were going to move together, I ju- we just wouldn't have moved in together because I like my place too much. Yeah. I don't think I'm giving it up unless I could buy a place. That's fair. That's how I felt about mine at first. And then I saw some other, we were just looking at places and I was like, oh, yeah. there's a lot of really cool apartments that still exist. Well, oh, there's really cool places, but for the price too. That, that was the, that yeah. was the thing. We found a place that was it was really close to my old place, down the street, like two blocks. Mm-hmm. And the place I was living in was a two bedroom, sort of. It was like a like a, a one bedroom that had another enclosed yeah. room that you could use for like an office or something. Yeah. And the one we're in now is a, is a one bedroom, uh-huh. and it's a little bit less expensive, not by much, but it was an, it was close enough. I was like, you know what, this is worth it. Yeah. This is worth the move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you sleep in the same bed every night. Yeah. It's cool. She and I both travel a fair bit. So why does she travel for? She has uh, a writing partner in New York. Okay, and that's where she's from originally. So she, between going back to visit family and going back to write with her writing partner, she'll she'll just a fair amount of travel. And is her writing partner a male or a female? A female. Okay, good. She's worked with some male writing partners before. How does that make you feel? I mean, they're all gay, so it doesn't really okay affect me. <laughs> Do you say is he gay? <laughs> I always ask, listen, are you writing with a gay guy again? Because you better be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you a jealous type? Uh, Not really. I have been jealous in the past. I don't feel jealous. And this, this is definitely the healthiest relationship I've been in. That's good. I feel like everyone gets, every relationship gets a little bit healthier. Well, you figure As out. As you get older, what you want, what you don't right. want. You figure yeah. out more about yourself and what, what you're looking for and how to communicate with people. A lot of the problems that I feel like you have when you're in a newer relationship or a younger relationship don't really transfer mm-hmm. if you're trying to actually work on yourself and go to an older relationship. I definitely have jealous moments, but I get jealous about the way time is spent. Not necessarily like if she's with a certain person that weirds me out, but if I'm like – because our schedules are so – different Mm -hmm. for or they have been previously now we're sort of on like this we're on a similar schedule now but we're both still busy like well neither of you really have jobs right right i mean i am actually officially unemployed right now just because i don't have like a show i'm writing on or something like that i'm not on the road or anything and then she her she has uh you know she's writing scripts with people so she'll be like if she's writing with her new york writing partner she's writing from home or if what do they do skype together yeah They'll yeah. Skype and they have like a writer duet uh, yeah. thing, but sometimes she'll like you know be on the phone in the living room and then I'm working also. And but this is new for me because I have not been this year as and since we've lived together 
at home as much as I have been. Usually I've been in a writer's room somewhere. So like I'm in an office oh, and so I'm not home. More so time together. Way more time together. But not really together. We're just sort of like in the, in same, the same place. Room. Yeah. So it's definitely an adjustment. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And what so what kind of job are you looking for? Just anything? Yeah, just writing jobs. How long do you have to wait before you'd have to get like another day job type of job? Oh, I'm I'm set for a little bit. I yeah. I, I I saved my money wisely. Yeah. And I just applied for unemployment. Oh nice. Yeah. yeah. Then that can go for six months or so. It can go for a year. One year of unemployment? Mm-hmm. All right. So you're good so you're good at for at least a year. Yeah. If not more. Yeah, and I mean, I'm hoping that I'll get another job before then. I don't have any doubt that I will. It's just now now I'm in the phase of the career where it's like, all right, well, I don't necessarily have something that's immediately lined up, so I have to kind of work to, uh, like, to make my own deadlines for stuff. Or if, like, say I get a packet for a show, mm-hmm. then I have to make sure that I do the best job possible that I can on that and really dedicate my time that week. Yeah. To making that good. Yeah. And I imagine, I mean, all of the writing jobs I've ever had so far have all been from referrals. Right. So it's all, it, I imagine that I'll probably get this instead of a packet that I submit, I imagine I'd probably be more likely to get a job from somebody who I already know. Oh, yeah. Who's That's, working on a show. I don't think, like, oh, yeah. I don't I think Jay. I've ever gotten a job from just a blind submission. No, I haven't. I don't I have, think I have. Yeah. No, not any like comedy related jobs. No, least. that's what I mean. I've yeah, gotten yeah. a lot oh, of yeah, like yeah. I've applied for a regular jobs. Oh yeah. Blindly, but but yeah, not an entertainment job where I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna send this in. They really like my tape. Mm-hmm. It's never happened. I wish it would. I know. The closest that ever came was when I got my first writing job. But it was a guy saw me on stage at the store mm-hmm. doing a set, and he came up to me afterwards. He was like, Hey, I really liked your your set. I'm uh, starting a. I'm, I'm doing a writers' room for a pilot. I think you'd be good to have in the room. So get get in touch. And that was the first time I was like, "Oh, interesting. Okay, this is like the way. This is." And he, we even had like a meeting when we were first meeting up. And he was like, "Yeah, I kind of wanted to do that, like the the old Hollywood version of like you pluck somebody from their day job and you get to give them some stuff." And I was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, that's thank you. That's what you're yeah. doing. That's really nice. That's pretty sweet." Yeah. Yeah, it makes you feel like a good comedian. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're actually And what was that a pilot for? It's for this show called Werewolf. You ever played Mafia? I've heard of it. So Mafia and Werewolf, it's it's like same game, different names. Okay. Basically it's a game where you get people together and you say they're part of a town, right? And the townsfolk all have some some there's some some bad people in the midst. You can call them the mafia members. You can call them werewolves. Whatever variation the game is, the job of the werewolves or the mafia is to kill everybody in the town, and it's days and nights. So nights are when the mafia and the werewolves activate and they kill people. Okay. And days, everybody's talking and you're trying to suss out who the bad people are. Who you're gonna have to kill later? Right. And you execute at the end of the every day. You execute somebody. And does it tell you if you execute a good person or a bad person? Some variations you do, some variations you don't. I think I've, if I remember correctly, for the pilot we did, we told yeah we told we told them at the end of if they executed a good person or a bad person. But sometimes Wait, you don't. But was it a non-scripted pilot? Yeah, it was a. Oh. It was basically like. 
they wanted to do sort of a combination of like a panel show kind of at midnight feeling. Got it. But also a game show in a way. Okay, so this was a game show. Right. Mafia. But it's all, there are no real people on our version. Like they'd done a previous version where they had some regular people with interesting jobs in the film. Like they had a psychic and they had an FBI profiler and then they had a couple ringer. They had some actors and they had some comedians like Kristen Schaal did that pilot. And Mm -hmm. and, in this one, they were like, all right, let's just get only comedians and we'll get a couple comedy people in the writer's room and we'll just write scenarios for stuff to happen during the game. Yeah. And so we basically just were writing, we're coming up with bits that could happen as they're trying to investigate who these people are. And uh, we had a host, so we would write, you know, some host copy and some host lines. Right. And that was about it. That sounds pretty, I want to watch it now. It's. I think it got picked up, but I'm not involved. Right. Because the person who originally created the show kind of gave it away to us to to do a version of. Uh-huh. But then we did a good job, and so then they got they picked it up, and then they were like, you know, we're gonna get rid of you guys. We're gonna bring back in the original team. Damn. That's what I hear anyway. That's that's. Wait, the, so that's they the liked the, the original version better. No, they liked our version better. Then you'd think they would have kept you guys. Right, but you know, Hollywood Damn. baby. Yeah. Shit changes. That sucks, though. Yeah. Well, maybe you could hit them up now that you don't have a job. Hey, if you need an extra writer in the writer's room. Maybe. It, the, the problem is the guy who brought me in also is not involved. They cut oh, him out. Oh, they cut him out, too. Right. Wow. Which is the real shady part. That's the, I remember because I worked with him on another show. Uh, I've worked with him a couple times, and we were talking at the ver- at the last time our show wrapped, and he was like, yeah, they cut me out. And we were just like, ah, oh, this fucking business, man. People got people. People just want to. And what about are you working on your own egos. projects too? Besides the uh, uh, looking ha- for another job I, to jump on. I haven't since I've been back. So the time frame of like my life for the past month and a half has basically been I worked on. I was working on MasterChef Junior okay. until the very end of July. Okay. And then July ended. I immediately left to go to Scotland to do the Edinburgh Fringe. Okay, and you were there for a month? Yeah, just about. I okay. did uh, 20, I, was, I came back on the 26th. I did 25 days of shows. Wow. Then I had that week. And did you do your own show or did you jump on other shows? Both. So okay. I did an hour. I had an hour show that I was doing, just an hour stand-up every you did night. It every night? Yeah, there were a couple nights I had to cancel just because no I had- showed. No one showed. No one showed, yeah. And how, yeah, because I've heard you, you have to promote it yourself. Yeah. So, like, how many people on average came near show? I had a real light attended show. I had uh-huh. probably eight to twelve people. Okay. And per how do you even get those people? Did you bark on the street? Like, what was? Yeah. Your... I had a guy, another LA guy, Michael D'Angelo. I had him barking for me, and then I would go bark during the day, and then he would bark for like an hour or two before the show would start. But the problem was, and I didn't know this until I got out there, the venue that I was at had no foot traffic, and. It's in this part of town where there's not a whole lot of shows. It's new town. So old town in Edinburgh is where like all the shows are, hundreds of venues, thousands of shows. New town there's maybe there, there's a there's not nearly as many, a fraction of that. Got and it. so if I'm out and about flyering people in old town, they see that and they're like, "Oh, okay, this sounds interesting. Wait, it's at 11:45. Oh, it's all the way over there." And it's not even that far. It's like a 10, 15-minute walk. But they're like, oh, psychologically, well, I'd rather just stay here where there's all these other shows. Yeah. But it was better for me. It, it was like a blessing in disguise because then I had – because it was small crowds, uh-huh. 
I really got to hone down whether or not stuff was working in that hour. Right. And I really had to fix stuff if it wasn't working or just drop it. And then I was like, okay, cool. The stuff that's working is working good because it's making all of these eight to 12 people laugh. Right. Um, but so yeah. are you going to go back next year? I'd like to. I've learned a lot about how to com- how to like run the show at the festival better uh-huh. and where to go. So it'll just be depending on if you can afford it or what? Yeah. I I mean, I definitely, I lost money this sure. time, which I figured was probably going to happen. Yeah. I had enough. I, I, I have a good buffer and I figured, you know what? It's, yeah, yeah, this it's is fun. the chance. Why yeah, not yeah. take the chance? Oh, totally. I don't think, I don't really know anyone who makes money there unless they're famous. Yeah. It's like, pretty hard to do. I don't think Bronston makes money when he goes. Yeah, I don't I think, think so. Jessica Michelle made money, did she? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't, think, I don't know if Jeff made money, Baldinger. Oh, yeah. I don't think Baldinger made money. But it's worth it. It's the worth. It's worth the trip. And you get to be in Scotland. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't love who doesn't love being outside of the US for a minute? What you what else did you do there? Do you go golfing or anything? No, I did some hiking. Most of the time I mean it's I did a lot of time just like hanging out, watching shows and running around the city. Did you get oh no, you're sober. Yeah. Because most people go there and party, right? Yeah. yeah. But you still had fun sober? Yeah. I mean, I would still stay out and like go dancing. I go, you know, there's I was sort of part of this group of American and a couple Canadian comics and some Australian comics, and we just go hang out, and they'd be like, "All right, we're gonna go dance at Cabaret Voltaire or some other, you know, dance club." And we'd be like, "All right, cool, I'll go hang out and dance, mm-hmm. drink some club soda instead, and still stay out until like three or four in the morning." That wow. doesn't change. Still, did you eat, eat like garbage? Oh yeah, a lot of late night falafel wraps, pizzas, but I lost weight. How come? Just from hiking? Walking around so much. Oh, okay. I was literally walking everywhere. I would double. I have an Apple Watch, so it always has like, oh, this is what you're supposed to move for the day, right? You're supposed to do like 600 calories worth of movement, and I would be doubling it constantly. Oh, that's good. I'd be, it would say I would get like two hours worth of exercise every day, and I would be doing, I'd be eating like burning off full days worth of meals just from walking around. I lost nine pounds. I'll go just for that. It's worth it. Because you can still eat like garbage, but you're walking around so much, it offsets it. That's oh, the man. problem. There's no – nobody walks in L.A. Yeah, I mean, I walk around here, but right now it's so hot. It's like 85 degrees out. Yeah. Maybe that's not that hot. It's pretty hot. But, yeah. It feels hot. It I'm definitely, hot. like, sweating a lot more than I usually would. I didn't think that 85 was hot, but 85 feels hot. It's, yeah, and a dry – I don't know. Just maybe I'm pussy. Maybe that's Maybe. what it comes down to. LA does kind of make us into temperature pussies. So from my perspective, you just got back from Scotland. Mm-hmm. You don't have a job, but you're pretty confident you're going to get one. You're doing, you got a girlfriend you're living with. What's any anything I could help you with in your life? What's the therapy think? here? I'm trying to think of what the Seems good. like your life's so good. See, all right. Well, you got be- Big, beautiful blue eyes. Oh, thank you. I'm trying to think of what there is. I was definitely in a much more like place where I needed therapy before I left for Scotland. Uh And now I just feel kind of. Scotland was your therapy. Scotland was my therapy. I mean, I like, I had breakdowns. I cried while getting a foot massage. Really? Day six. Yeah. What was wrong? Oh, man. So I had two days in a row where shows canceled and I didn't uh, have any other shows lined up. Got it. And I was, it was like days five and six and I was like, oh, it's going to be like this the entire rest right. of the time. And so yeah, I freaked like, out. Yeah, what am I doing here? Yeah. 
I, you know what this is. Was well, the venue cool with it? Like, do they care that only eight, 10 people showed up? Yeah, they don't give a shit because yeah. they're, they're not making any money They're It's a free festival that I'm a part of. So they're just running the venue out. They don't care if people show up or not. Right. If, uh, if a ton of people show up, great. If nobody shows up, totally fine. But I think I tend to, here's, here's something maybe you can help me out with. Mm-hmm. I tend to look at life in very like black and white peaks and valleys kind of terms. Okay. And I think this, this getting the foot massage and crying while getting the foot massage very much illustrates that. Like as soon as two bad things happened and they weren't that bad. Right. For, but, in like the grand well, scheme of things. No, in the scheme of things, they're not bad, but you know, you spend all this money going to Scotland. You're going there to do shows. Right. Two days in a row, you don't your shows fall through, and then you're like, "Shit, yeah." Now I have twenty more days of this, and then you know, I somebody's telling me friends are out there. They're like, "Go do something nice for yourself," and I'm going to get a foot massage, and it's working. But I'm just lying there on the table, just like just tears rolling down my face, and the masseuse is asking if I'm okay. Oh, like they oh see. yeah, she was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." You're just you have really strong hands. You're doing great, yeah. but I sort of. I tend to look at things. I get. I, get, I beat myself up a lot about stuff. I tend to beat myself up because right now everyone's their own worst critic. Yeah, I'm not. I feel like I'm not being productive, and I know that I am, but it's very much in the. I, I get in this headspace where it's like, oh, I'm not doing enough. It never feels like I'm it doing never, enough. Yeah, when you don't have a boss, when you're your own boss, and yeah, it's just I have that too. Just yeah. any, literally, anytime I'm. Anytime I'm enjoying myself not working, basically, I'm always thinking, oh, I should be home writing right now, or I should be editing, or I should be doing something. I should be at an open mic. Like, yeah, I don't let myself off the hook. It's it's easier said than done. But yeah, I think I think one way to fix that, which I'm sure you already do, is is have a calendar. So okay. if you get everything you if you have goals for the day and you accomplish them, then when you're not doing those goals, when you're out and about, when you're on a date, when you're hanging out with friends doing nothing, you don't feel guilty because you're like, oh yeah, but earlier today I edited and I wrote and I did my whatever. I did all the things that I want to accomplish today. Right. So I think that's something that I need to work on myself. I'm preaching that, but I need to work on it myself as well. It's always easy to say the thing that you need that you know deep down you need to do. Yeah, but it's really just setting a calendar and treating it like a job. And that way when you're not doing that job, you don't feel guilty because, oh, yeah, I already finished that for the day. Yeah. And that's not saying you can't do more than what's on the calendar, but then you don't feel guilty when you're not. Let me – I got a question for you because I think this might help me as well. So I tend to look at things as sort of like big picture – long-term kind of stuff. I, that's sort of like my general mode. How do you interact with the world in terms of like what you're doing? Do you sort of, do you look like months or weeks or even like further than that out? Or do you mm. tend to take things as it comes like one day at a time? I mean, I definitely think about goals and stuff I want to accomplish down the road, mm-hmm. but yeah, I kind of, I don't think about it too much. I'd say I'm more in the moment type Man. of guy. I don't know why. How do you get to that? That's the hardest. That's the thing I have to work the hardest to do all the time is be in the moment and be present. Well, okay. So what's like something that you think of? What's something that you think of for down the line when you're thinking about that? Something I think of for down the line. So this month, Mm -hmm. I would like to write a script, a feature script. Okay. 
And this, I had that, I've had that goal set up on my, like my board of stuff I want to do for a while. Right. And two weeks have gone by at time of us recording this. And I haven't started on that at all. Really? It's about for something like that, because it's such a big thing Mm -hmm. that there's, you know, there's no way you could finish that in a day or even a week or even probably a month. So all you can do is break that down Mm -hmm. into a bunch of little things. So if you're writing a feature film, what's the first thing you need to do is have an outline. Right. Or a A treatment maybe. Yeah, Yeah, whatever whatever the first thing is for you. Let's For me, I think the first thing I would do is make an outline. So... So maybe instead of thinking, oh, no, I have that feature film thing I have to do, think I have to make the outline for the feature film. Just mm. break it down so that your goals, before you know it, you're at the finish line. You know what I mean? So then once you finish your outline, okay, I need to write the treatment. Then once you have the treatment, okay, I'm just going to write one page of the feature. I'm going to write the first page. That's it. So okay. you do it like that as opposed to, okay, today I'm going to work on the feature film. It just—it sounds so simple the way you put it, but it's, I have such a hard time converting into actually Here's doing the thing. that. You can't finish a feature film in a day. Right. You could finish an outline in a day. Even if it's not done, even if it's a bad outline, you could go home right now. If you have a few hours, you could go, okay, I'm going to work on this outline. You can do That's a doable thing. It's true. So you can't, if you view it as I have to go work on a feature, it's not doable. Mm-hmm. And your body doesn't want to do things that... That's not, that, that, not that hard. And when you do that too, it gets your head spinning. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, oh shit, I, oh yeah, this, oh yeah, oh, the, for the treatment, it's going to be like this. And it it's good. It'll help the whole process. I got another question for you. Okay. All right. So in terms of the, uh, the, the feeling like you are allowing yourself to have some time away from things, right? The, after you've done like, you set a goal for the day and you achieve that goal for the day and then that gives you the leeway to go out and hang out with with people. Do you do anything when you're doing that? Because that's something I'm actively trying to work on more is hanging out with other people and socializing. Uh-huh. Is there anything you do to keep yourself from being distracted during those times and and have your mind be completely somewhere else, whether that's like on your work or you're like saying, on some other problem. You're saying when you're hanging out with people, is there something you do to make sure you're in the moment with yeah. those people? No, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a weird guy and I'll go on my phone a lot and I'll be other places, but I just ha- hopefully have friends that are okay with that. All right. For me, that's probably not the way it should be. <laughs> probably should work on just being in the moment with those people. But like me and my best friends, we'll sit in the room in silence on our phones I mean, that speaks to a level of comfort between you and your friends, though. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, that means you found I mean, the people none of us have a problem with. with it. Like, no, no, like, you know, everyone's been with the group. They're like, oh, look, everyone's on their phones or, you know, whatever. Or you, right. or you feel like you don't want to go on your phone because it'll be rude. Right. But me and my friends, yeah, no, take that phone call. Oh, yeah, text them back. All phones. Oh, you want to surf on Wikipedia for an hour? Yeah, do it. <laughs> That means, I mean, I love surfing on Wikipedia. Maybe yeah. I just got to find, I got to find some other friends who are just in their phones. That, that's the new thing. People are on their phones all the time. So a good friend isn't going to make you feel guilty I do about lo- doing what everyone does. I do love a good app. I just downloaded an app that helped me or to help remind me to connect to people. 
<laughs> what? Facebook? No, 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 no. I hate Facebook. I have this app. It's what is it called? Um, oh, geez. Je- Jewel? Not Jewel. That's a that's a vaping device. Don't Jewel. It's going to ruin Six you. Deaths. Fabric. Wait, so I'm. what's Fabric do? Fabric basically lets you have circles of friendship and it says, all right, pick some people and you're going to connect with these and it's going to remind you to like reach out to those people like once a week, once a month, once every couple months. So you pick your, okay, this is interesting. So you pick your close, you people who you want to be in your life basically. Right. Does it connect to your social media accounts to find those people? It can. Or your phone book or whatever. It connects to, it, you can log in with Facebook if you want, but oh, yeah. and then it'll connect to your phone book automatically. Got it. So you're on there and it says, pick the people you want in your life. Yeah. And then you pick them and then it'll say, hey, talk to this person today. Right. And it'll, and you'll, you can choose how often, you know, where, what closeness level do you want to have with this person? Where do and, you want them to be in okay, your life? Okay. That's interesting. I'm not saying there's a bad idea. It sounds, it sounds like, it makes it sound, oh, this person's not good enough for you to remember them. You need this app to remind them. But some people are just busy. Maybe yeah. you're busy and you forget and, you, for- and this person's important to you and you want them in your life, but you need this app to remind you. I forget all so the time. So is that why you did it? Yeah. Well, because I do stuff. I I get caught up in stuff. I get It's very easy for me to forget So did things. you put like old friends in it, kind of, like from college that you barely talk to anymore? Or did you just do people kind of in your LA circle? Uh, a little bit of both. Like some of it, I have I have my parents in there, because I even forget to talk to them, and then I have some college friends, some uh, some friends here in L.A., some other comics who like I enjoy hanging out with, uh, or I want to be like, hey, let's go get you know, let's get a coffee or something, yeah, just chat. Because um, that was a thing when I was in Scotland. I was between all of the actual work work that I had to do as far as like promoting a show and running around and doing other spots and all that kind of stuff. There's so much idle time, but I felt like for the most part, I didn't want to spend that time alone because I felt like if I was alone too much, then I would have gotten into like a dark negative place and being around people helped lift me up. When I'm somewhere else and I'm alone, I always feel like, well, I could be alone at my house. I'm in this new place. I should be maximizing the place. Yeah. I would do a lot more like eating with people. I would, I mean, I would take a little bit of time to myself every day. I'd like go, yeah, of course, get a coffee and listen to the set from last night and take notes and stuff. But for the most part, it was like, I don't want to be by myself eating or walking around the city. I'd rather just like hang out with somebody and like bullshit with them or just walk next to each other in silence. What was the, uh, what was the highest attended show you had that I had? Yeah. I had about somewhere, probably like 35, 40 people at the That's show. That's pretty good. And then what was the highest, uh, what was the coolest show you got to do that wasn't your own show? Oh, oh, that's a good question. There's a roast battle out there that was pretty fun. Oh, there was a roast battle at the yeah. festival? There's one that the guys who run the roast battle in London run during the Fringe. Okay. But that was, I mean, that was, it was cool, but it was also like very similar to the LA version. So I'm trying to think of one that would be like, oh, you know what? Okay. So there's this show that I did called the Alternative Comedy Memorial Society. Okay. And it's this show that I guess is sort of a fringe standby. It's been around for like two decades. And... It goes from midnight till three in the morning. Wow. And there's a crowd the entire time. And there's this sort of weird language that happens. Like there's like approved heckles that people are allowed to do. 
Like what? A permitted heckle, excuse me. Like, like what's a permitted heckle? It depends. It kind of, it's kind of at the whim of the host. An example. Uh, so, God, I couldn't even remember. There's just like, sometimes somebody would say something and they'd be like, hey, that's not a permitted heckle. Or they'd say like, oh, that's a permitted heckle. And then at the end of everybody's set, they would say, uh, they'd say uh, it was a failure. And then the crowd goes, a noble failure. So everybody's, I, I, no, matter no matter what, no matter how you did. Interesting. But that was, that it was. Sounds very like supportive and lame but fun but it was weird because well the whole point of it is it's like the alternative comedy memorial society right so most of the sets that i saw there there was a it was a mix of stuff that would probably fly like at any comedy club Mm -hmm. and then also stuff that's like super alt and weird yeah even for like all la kind of standards you know and i had to close the show Okay. The one time so I got on at two fifty in the morning. Yes, and they're like, "You got uh, five minutes. Close the show." And I was like, "You know what? I'm not going to try and like lean to the weirdness. I'm just going to do my best five. So I did that, and it's very, it's a very like they told the afterward. It, the set went great, and the the guy pulled me aside afterwards, who uh, one of the guys who ran the show, and he was like, "You know, usually people don't do, people don't do well with material, especially that late at night. But you like you did great." And I want to commend you for that. And I was like, oh, okay, that felt nice. But there were also times like somebody said, uh, somebody like gasped at something that I said. And I was like, oh, that's a permitted gasp. And people were like, ah, he knows what's going on in this show. Yeah. But that was a really, that was a cool experience. And so you left there and you recorded your album recently. Yeah. Right when I came back. So was your album, how long was your album? Album is about f- the the actual stand up set is about forty eight minutes. Just it's like so pretty just much shy an hour. fifty. Pretty yeah. much. I started out when I was in Scotland. I got there and I had way too much material. I had like seventy five minutes and I shaved it down to about fifty fifty five is what I was consistently doing night after night. And then when I came back to LA, I ran it a couple more times. Got rid of some stuff that was very Scotland and fr- and fringe centric put back in some American references to sort of even it out. And then I did the set and I did it once and got it out. Oh, you you just did one show. To did one show. Album. Yeah. And what was the reason you wanted to do an album? Was it just to retire that material? Is it? Yeah. Like, what was your goal with it? Do you want to put it on Sirius? Uh, What's your? Retire the material and then put it out as much as I can. I want to get it out, you know, through all the distribution channels, uh, you know, Spotify, I, uh, Apple Music, I guess. Yeah. You can't call it iTunes now. Oh, it's yeah, they, they on took, brand. There's no more iTunes, right? They're getting rid of it very yeah. soon. I think probably in the next OS update. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Pandora. And then if I got to figure out how, but SiriusXM, uh, it looks like I'm probably going to wind up self-distributing. So that means going through SiriusXM is going to be a little bit trickier. But okay. I've, got some, uh, I've got some people in my corner helping out with that. Nice. So. Yeah, and it's I exciting. just I just want to put it out. I mean, I've been doing. I've been kind of wanting to put out an EP, just a twenty minute thing. It feels good. It yeah, it feels, feels good to release something. Yeah, and it's something. I mean, we're at this point now. Like, who's the 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 rules don't really exist anymore the way that they used to. Like, I remember yeah. when I first moved to LA, I was so precious about. Oh, I want to make sure that like if I'm going to record an album, people are going to approach me, and I'm I'm not going to put any material on YouTube and blah blah blah. And I've been doing it here. I've been in LA seven years, been doing comedy almost nine, and I'm just like, fuck, who cares? Why not just do the thing? I see so many other people just doing the thing and putting it out, and people finding them. Well, you also get tired of waiting. Like, sure, it would be nice if you know Comedy Central wanted to do my half hour, but how long do I wait? Right before I'm like, well, I want to 
do this. I don't want to wait years for someone to notice me. Mm-hmm. It's just easier to know that you have to have the confidence in your own abilities and put it out. Mm-hmm. And these days, the quality, you can record an album for very cheap. Oh, yeah. And I got Coach T from Roast Battle doing my production. Mm-hmm. And he recorded it. And it sounds great. I've heard even just the raw audio from my mic, like even that, the audience has picked up on that. And he had three separate audience mics too. Oh, he did? Okay. And we are doing a little bit of mixing in. There's going to be some roast battle audio in there of me battling. There's going to be a little music in there. Um, there might be sketch type stuff in there. It's okay, going so to- you're making it a little weird. It's going to be a in little a weird. Way. It's going yeah. to be, I don't want it to just be a standard comedy album. I think- uh, there were years ago I was taking an improv class and this and my teacher said you need to recognize that you're more than just another white guy in a plaid shirt with glasses <laughs> and I was like oh okay and what, you're like but I'm not well I yeah. didn't I'd never thought no, about it in those terms before and I didn't realize that I wasn't I didn't realize that it was an option for me to not be that and so now I've tried to really not be like that I still, you know, I have the glasses. I have to, but don't earn, don't own any more <laughs> no plaid laser? shirts. No more. You're not going to do laser surgery? If you nah. Got, if you got 500K right now in your bank account, would you get laser eye surgery? Absolutely not. No. I would much rather spend that on like stuff that I, that I could use. Laser okay, surgery. Five million. Five million in the mm-hmm. bank account? Nah. Laser surgery goes away, dude. The, your eyes still adjust. They change. It's not permanent. Right. You would have to, might have to get it redone in yeah. 10 years. I'd rather get some cooler glasses. <laughs> I've had these glasses. I've had these frames for so long. What I, about um, two years? Are you guys going to get engaged? I don't know. Have you? Is that the topic of conversation come up? No, we haven't really. We've talked about in the in terms of like, we would probably not want to get married, either of us, until we are further along in our careers, mm-hmm. which would theoretically be in like a couple of years anyway. Um, and neither of us also wants to live in LA forever either. Where would you want to move to? New York. Yeah. And what about her? Same thing? New York. Yeah. Oh, well, she's got, you you're know, on the same page. We're on the same page, which is a good sign for whatever the so future you relationship could hold. Why don't you? Uh, if both of you want to move there, why don't you guys just move there? I mean, I've I've pitched this to her too, and she I think wants to be. I would like to be in this place too, where there's a little, I have a little bit more security. Like it'd be cool to move there because I got a job there, but I don't necessarily need that. I think yeah, why do, you'll get a job there if you move there. Well, here's the other thing. This yeah. we we talked about this because she came to visit me in Scotland uh-huh. for a couple of days. We talked about maybe moving to London. She came there just for a couple of days. Well, her okay. This is wild. Her writing partner had uh, a place they could stay in London, so she okay. was like, "I'm going to go to visit you for a couple of days in in Edinburgh, oh, and, then go to and then go to London and work with her." I feel like what who just moved to or Omid spent some time in London. Yeah, uh, Ali Mikowski's going there for the second time. People really like London. Yeah, Trey Stewart was just over there. Oh, he was just yeah. stand up. Yeah. That's awesome. Everybody, all the London and there's Australian comics who moved to London and people I was talking to, friends of mine from Fringe, they were like, yeah, you can make, I mean, you can make a living working the stand-up circuit in the UK because you, you know, there's a lot of clubs and and you can go and the way the system there is set up is typically it's not necessarily the way like a standard LA road club would be where it's like you got to MC a feature and a headliner. Mm -hmm. They have an MC and then they basically have like two headliners. Right. So 
it's you know the pay scales are a little bit different, but there's a lot more clubs and it's easier to to get money and get the work. Yeah, smaller market, smaller clubs, smaller yeah. country, and then you can go and tour Europe too. Like I had friends who I was talking there, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I book you know you go book a show in like Germany or France or somewhere, wow. Ireland." Well, maybe go visit before you just move there. Right. I would. I would be. But I would be intrigued. I think London is a is a place that would be more interesting to think about. But it's it. It's I. I haven't been to London in a number of years. I like New York a lot. I think New York's a really cool city. I like the way people approach stand up there. I like the way people approach comedy there. Sort of in general, everybody. It's a little bit more chaotic of a place. Yeah. I d- will say though, I do like L.A. a lot more than I ever have. I always really, I really wanted to jump ship early on in LA. I don't have anything against LA. I mean, the people are phony. There's traffic, but there's also cool people, and there's yeah. everything you want to do in the world here. I think. I mean, that's the thing. You got. I, I accepting that there's going to be phony people in traffic pretty much everywhere is like. Yeah, that's but something I, I had more, to come to terms with. I think there's with. more in LA. Yeah. Than everywhere else, but still. Um, you know, you could find good people, you can avoid the traffic and it's such a big city. Yeah. It's got everything. It's true. Movie. It's got everything you want comedy wise. It does. I mean, but I think if you guys both want to move to New York, I don't understand what's holding you back. You you don't have a job. True. So it's not going to matter whether you're struggling here financially or there financially, not much. And I don't know her, her job thing, but her family is there. Well, we do have a lease. You could you could find someone to take over that lease, or you could break the lease for like a thousand bucks. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's the beauty of where I'm at right now. I feel like there's, I I have never in my entire adult life really been in a position where it's like, oh, I'm an empty vessel. I don't have anything. I don't know what's going to happen next. I guess we'll find out. I think. You guys need to move there. If you both want that. I mean, it'd be one thing if you're like, ah, I like it here, but I'd move there for the job. But you're like, no, I eventually want to go to New York. Yeah. And she is the same way. There's nothing keeping you guys here. Is she working on a show? Does she have a writing job? Not right here? now. She's working. She's got some some leads. She's working. Well, she could. Her old boss. She's working with him on something that might go somewhere. But yeah. that's the thing. Uh, there's always stuff yeah, there's that always, might go yeah, somewhere. Yeah, there's always leads. There's leads in New York. Um there is stuff that like I'm working on here in LA that I would like to see through a little bit, but the option to go to New York is it's so enticing. It is and interest. It is. In, I well, never thought about just, it in that terms before. Nothing holding you back. I think the yeah. things holding me back more are like stuff that I would rather see through, like right. like ideas that I'm working on with friends and show concepts and stuff like that. But if a show sold and you need to move back to work on a show here. That would be the best problem to have in the world. You know what I mean? True. If you move to New York and then, oh, remember that show I worked on? That's a show in LA. I got to go back. Amazing. Oh, sorry. I have to go back to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. So I say move. Huh? Get the fuck out of here. Man, coming Get in hard with, the, with, that, with that therapy. If I really wanted to move to New York, I could do it right now. Yeah, you could up and leave. And I, I'm not against New York, but for me, it's like I like L.A. And I don't really see myself leaving L.A. I would go to New York, obviously, for a right opportunity. Right. But that's it. Is there anywhere else you'd ever feel like you'd want to move for comedy? If I wasn't in entertainment, I would move. I wouldn't live in L.A. Oh, okay. I would move to San Diego even, or maybe even probably somewhere cheap oh, so I could live San like Diego. a king. Maybe you could probably, San Diego's pretty cheap, isn't it? No, no? San Diego's expensive, expensive. Very expensive. 
Um, I would probably move to like Phoenix. Oh, you could live like a king in yeah, Phoenix. Buy a house. I'll buy a house right now in Phoenix and retire and do nothing. Or uh, I had a, a friend of mine, oh, a friend of my girlfriend's who sh- he was going to school. He was going to grad school in Las Vegas and he rented a giant like three bedroom house for the same, or I think it was less than what any, I've met oh, yeah. anybody paying well, for like for a one my, bedroom. My, apart- my apartment monthly could be a big monthly chunk of my mortgage. Yeah. Of a house. Man. In most places of the country. I'm going to try and wait and see when the recession hits. Then maybe I'll look into buying a house, buying some property. Yeah, no, then you're going to be like, shit, I need money because the recession's hit. I mean, I've got my money stacked up. I'm set. You're saved? I'm safe. Yeah, there you go. Move to New York with it. (laughs) That's what you got to do. Get a condo. That's what you want to do. Yeah. And that's what she wants to do. Your girlfriend wants to do. That's true. And it would be fun and exciting. I mean, New York is a very fun and exciting city, and moving there... Sort of on a whim. Oh man, it would feel. I'd feel very, very youthful if I did that. But it's not even that youthful because there's nothing. It's not like you're quitting your job to no, do it. No, you're right. It's not like you're leaving your girlfriend, making a distance. You guys go together. You get a little studio there. Because hmm. probably that's it's more expensive there. Oh, I would imagine it's a hundred percent more expensive. We may be able to figure out. I mean, if we did it, we 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 may have an ins- We might have some inside tracks on some places. My real dream is to buy a van and live in a van. I've always wanted to do that too. I want to do that so bad. Why don't you do it? Uh, honestly, I can't really afford it. No, no, because or or here's it's a combination of I can't afford it. And then also, let's say I could afford it because I would stop paying rent and use that rent money to there. I don't want to give up my apartment. I have such a great apartment and such a good deal. Right. And you can't Airbnb anymore because they changed the laws. Yeah. So I don't want to give that up. I feel you. If I could give, if I could still Airbnb my place during that transition and then go to the van and still have, then I would do it. God, that Airbnb thing really fucked LA up. As far as like, or I, or it I fucked me up. I mean, I could have had. I stopped Airbnb my old place because I was like, oh, I hate Airbnb being a place where people also are like while I live here. Uh-huh. But that place that I was Airbnb, oh, it was prime, prime location. Yeah. I could have, I was making money off of it, and I was barely even trying. Yeah. But if I had really like put in an effort and kept that apartment and like kept Airbnb it, I could have probably made bank. And oh but yeah. Now I'm just yeah, like, that well, is your there's, job. No, there's not yeah. even a chance. Yeah, and now they're shutting it down, which mm-hmm. I understand why as well. Because if you're a neighbor and you're seeing strangers coming in all the time, that could be weird. Yeah. I would understand not liking that. If I was like rich and I owned a condo and my next door neighbor was some dude renting and he just Airbnb'd his place nonstop and I had new people coming in with suitcases every day, that would probably annoy me. Yeah. So I get it. But it's different when it you. still sucks. Yeah. Hey, listen. The people, people just got to change. People, people got to change their attitudes on the way Airbnbers go. You mean Nothing, you or, mean people just need to let it happen? People just let it happen. Yeah, you could. That's another argument. Just be chill. Chill be out, chill. dude. It's not. It's not affecting you. Yeah. If you don't like it, get a house so you don't notice it. Right. Yeah. It's not. Uh, it's not on the Airbnbers' fault. Right. It's on you. You're being. You're being intolerant. Maybe things will change in a year from now. Maybe I'll get to do it again. We'll see. And then I'll get my van. <laughs> you know what you could do? You could do sort of the best of both worlds. Hmm. Get your van. Also, go buy a house in Phoenix. Airbnb the house in Phoenix. 
And then you can have it as like your place to go to. Yeah, but and then you get the van. I can't afford all these things at once, you know. All these things require getting a van costs money. Getting a house in Phoenix costs money. True. I'm still paying my rent here on my apartment. If I could afford it, I would. If I if I got <laughs> the right job, oh, I'm buying a van first thing. If I got a hundred thousand dollars right now, I would spend half of that on a van. Yeah, without a doubt. I my my girlfriend when we were first dating, she was in the process of writing a a script that she was trying to sell to a production company. And she said that if she sold the script that she was going to go buy a plot of land in Joshua Tree and then build a tiny house on it. Oh, a lot of people do that. It's for a Airbnb. great idea. Yeah, I was I thought about that too. But there is a competition. Uh there's a lot of people doing it. It is an investment. You have to go out there and do it, take time off. Right. You have but, to get a management company to run it. But, but land's cheap. Yeah. Land it's yeah, you can get a piece of land there for Twenty thousand bucks. Yeah, do whatever you want on it. That's a good option. Not a bad idea. Yeah, maybe that's what I'll do. But then she didn't sell that script, so you know, we're SOL. Well, script the, out of luck. The land's not going anywhere. True. People are always going to be sell, selling land out there in that desolate, hot desert. I can't wait for a Joshua Tree to be beachside property, and then the, well, the problem with Joshua Tree is like that sounds so good in theory, but for example, right now in Joshua Tree, it's probably one hundred ten degrees. No one's going out to Joshua Tree right now. Right. Well, maybe. Maybe. Or a lot less. Maybe people go. I feel like people are more likely to go out there now to go to a house and stay there during the day. And then at night when it's cold, you can go outside and like stargaze and whatever the fuck. Right. Nobody's camping in Joshua Tree in conditions like this. That's what I mean. But you can go out and rent a house and hang out and live that desert life. Yeah. Take some good, it's probably really cheap to go there right now. Just have an Instagrammable Airbnb situation. You're good to go. Yeah. That's true. What's the biggest failure you've ever had in Hollywood? What's do you have any regrets or a big audition you blew or oh, something like that? Biggest something you failure. can redo or take back or oh, if there's something that I could to to redo and take back, it's tough. The thing that immediately comes to mind is not something that I did wrong, but it was like a situation that I felt bad about. So mm. It's actually, it's interesting because it was a, like a successful thing that happened. Okay. So it was a commercial that I booked. Mm-hmm. This is mm, three or four years ago, maybe. I booked this commercial and I had had it listed in my book out dates for one of the days. It was like a two day shoot. Okay. The second day I was supposed to be booked out. I was supposed to go to my grandma's 80th surprise birthday party. Okay. And I booked the thing. And then I saw once I got there, they're like, we're going to need you for two days. And so I was like, oh, shit. Well, I should figure this out. So then I called my agency and I'd already been sort of afraid of something like this happening. Okay. And but I was like, well, maybe we can work it out. Maybe they like told them that I was going to be gone and maybe they don't need me. And then they were like, yeah, we uh, we need you. We I mean, we're going to need you like you can't, you know. Sometimes this kind of shit might happen. So just deal with it. It's a, and it, cause it, the thing is, it was like a SAG. It was my first union job. Yeah. And it was for GoDaddy. So it was going to oh, be, like, it was a big commercial. And I was like, cool. This, I mean, I guess I'll be fine. But then I had to have a phone call with my family and my grandmother and be like, hey, they should, I'm not going to go. I would expect your family to be understanding. They, they were, but yeah. I, f- I felt, 
bad, like having to make that call because there had been times when sort of like I had made a call to my family and been like, you know, Hey, keep this in mind. My career is always going to be more important than you guys, <laughs> which is not the most fun thing, but I was coming at it from a place of like being like fiery stand up. Who's like just getting his feet wet and stand up and being like, yeah, no, no, this yeah, is what yeah. I'm going to do. But this was a moment where I was like, I feel like I'm actually negatively affecting my relationship with them by this happening. And then to add insult to like psychic injury, the commercial did not air. My commercial, they shot three spots for this campaign. Mine was the only one that didn't air. Fuck. Well, you still got paid at least, right? I got paid for the shoot, but I wasn't union and I didn't get the residuals or anything after that. Damn. I know. So well, I went you, through all but that. But you couldn't have predicted that. No. I, I think no you idea. made the right call. I think I did too. If if but listen, I still feel the yeah, regret. Of but they that. have they have more birthdays. You can go. Hey, I'll come up and visit after, and we'll have our own little birth surprise birthday with me. Yeah, it's like if I don't know if you're out here going after a dream, you would expect. I mean, they were supportive, but yeah, I don't think you have anything to feel guilty about. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, All this. That's your biggest <laughs> regret of eight years in L.A. That's not. That's I mean, I've I've doing doing roast battle. I've I've said some stuff that got cut from TV that I was like, I don't feel good about having said that. But, but it's they like, cut it. And they cut it. <laughs> yeah, and it was a good learning ex- moment for was me. Was it because the joke bombed, or because it was so edgy that you're you didn't want it to go? Why was, did you were like, I hope. Why were you thinking I shouldn't have said that? One of them. I mean, after one of them after the fact, they were like, Yeah, that was kind of racist. Like you, uh, you sort of crossed. You sort of like made a big, a big statement. I imagine in Rose Battle, there's a lot of that going on. Right, which yeah. was the thing. I remembered it was the taping, and I felt bad afterwards because the guy who I battled had left the the. Uh, the comedy club we were shooting at Comedy Works in Denver, and he left. He stormed out after our oh, battle. Oh, he was not happy. He was not happy. And it wasn't just me. It was the whole show. Like, he perceived the entire show as being, like, a racist minstrel show okay. because of stuff like I had said a joke, and then the wave was out there. But didn't he kind of know what it was going into it? Theoretically, yeah, but he didn't. Like, he didn't okay. do his research. But that was the other thing, too. Like, I felt bad. And in the green room, some of the other guys on the show are like, I mean, you said a, you said like a racist thing, but like also this is what the show traffics in. So if he – it's also – it's not totally on you. Like he should have been expecting maybe something like that would be said. Yeah. And then I remember I was like – we uh, we were in the elevator back at the hotel. Now. Do you remember the joke? Yeah. I said uh, um, it, was, uh, it was about – Carlos Miller and Carlos okay. had a he has a beard right and I said something about like Carlos um so I, I'd seen something about like somebody accusing him of stealing jokes so I was like Carlos is an accused joke thief um and you can tell he stole some something about like his outfit and I said and his and his beard from a juggalo and then that got the crowd to laugh and then I said, if you like Car, and then I would waited, and I was like, if you like Carlos uh, here, you can catch him next summer at the gathering of the Jigaboos. <laughs> and it was like I pitched that joke. I'd thought of it that morning in the airport. This is the day after Trump gets elected, by the way. So oh, wow. it's okay. a weird time. Yeah. So I pitched that joke in the airport to like the other comics who are on the show, and I'm like. Hey, is this funny? And they, I told them they're like, "That's great. Yeah, you should do that joke." And then I was like, "I'm gonna do it." That, and that's a total roast joke too. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's wordplay. It's, so, it's, it's racist. It's word also play. so racist that it's not racist. Right. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. if you were actually racist, you couldn't make that joke. Right. 
But like the only reason it's funny is because you're not racist. And the thi- yeah. but that was the thing is like I got worried about like uh oh am I actually a racist? And I remember yeah. I was on the we were like in the elevator back up to our hotel that night, and I was in the elevator with the wave and Jamar as I was getting out of the elevator he said good night racist and then the doors closed and just made, like, even though he was joking uh, you feel guilty about it yeah and I yeah. I called some people and they're like you're fine this show's a this show is like you all are the fine. horrible things man it's like I it blows my mind number one when sensitive people get into comedy mm-hmm. and then number two okay I get being I get it being not sensitive but maybe sensitive when it comes to yourself but then the roast battle is the last thing you should do. I've never done the roast battle. I've never done it once. Right. I've never battled anyone. And, you know, it's because I know someone's going to make a joke about me and they're joking. But I'm going to be like, is that how people feel about me? Yeah. And, I'm go- and I'm too sensitive. It'll hurt my feelings. It's so easy I, to so think So because about. of that, I know that about myself. I haven't done it. <laughs> I did a joke. I did a, I've had so many people come up to me about stuff I've said on roast battle. I had a, I had a joke about an ex and... It was involving her, and I said uh, something. It was oh fuck, what was it? I was battling that dude Kevin McNamara. You know Kevin Mac? No. You know handsome dude with he's been on like Lifetime movies and stuff. Okay. I battled him, and I said uh, he said something because I used to date, and I was like, yeah, I used to date an actress, and it's good because now I know how to fuck two unfunny pussies. <laughs> and it was like an actress trying to do comedy, and I made that joke, and then she came up to me, and she's like. She, had, I saw like I saw her do a set on potluck or something like the week after, uh-huh. and she did a, she did a had fine she did a fine set, and she came up and she was like, "Yes, I'm not such an unfunny pussy." And I was like, "It was a fucking joke." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did, I'm just trying to say the mean thing for I'm the joke. Get a laugh in the yeah. room. Yeah, it's like clearly I don't think you're unfunny, but I'm like I'm doing I'm trying to get a laugh. Come on. Yeah. Just cut me some fucking slack, please. <laughs> That's the thing. People are sensitive. Yeah. It's a weird, I mean, Roast Battle is the weirdest show I've ever been involved. Like, it's the furthest thing that I thought I would ever be involved with when I came to L.A. And I just kind of stumbled into it. And then I've been like, oh, I'm actually good at this. And it's not because, I think it's because I'm not a mean person in, like, everyday life that I can allow me to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to say this shit on stage. Maybe you bottled up all your meanness and let it out on the Roast Battle. Well, Rose, here's the thing that I will say is a very positive thing I took away from Roast Battle is that it helped me figure out that I can say I, – I have sort of like a dark and weird sense of humor anyway. And I think Roast Battle allowed me to tap into that in stand-up and not just in roasting. That's good. Which is nice. Made you a better stand-up comedian. Yeah. You don't hear that too often. It made me better – I could tap into the stuff that I was like, oh, this is – I also think this is funny. So I did that. And a lot of the album that I'm at, the the recording is like jokes that I probably wouldn't have felt comfortable doing five or six years ago. Yeah. And if I hadn't found Roast Battle and been involved in it, I don't know if I'd ever be telling jokes I'm like that. I'm at the point in my stand-up where I'm saying shit that's too fucked up and I'm trying <laughs> to figure out how to scale it back and still be funny. You, uh, I like the way you you work in, in like edge in your stand-up though. Yeah. I think you find you you. It's like watching you on stage is watching a tightrope act, which is very entertaining because <laughs> you know yeah. what you're saying is bad. Yeah, but you also it's like you say it with authority, but you also know that you have no authority. Like I can tell in the way that you're delivering it, you're like, I know that I'm saying a fucked up thing here, and I'm only saying it because it's funny. Yeah. But I'm pretending to deliver this 
with a way that like, you better believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's, I've noticed that my thoughts and like, as I'm writing new ideas, they're getting more fucked up (laughs) because I think I just build up this numbness to things and to comedy. Like I've watched so much comedy in the last decade that the only thing that makes me laugh is fucked up shit. Right. And that's kind of a problem a little bit for me. Like I want to get back to doing just regular jokes. I can't remember. I think, do you feel like there's a happy medium though? That's what I mean. Like finding that medium. Like I'm not saying I want to get rid of all my edge. I'm just saying I'm getting more evil. What do you, uh, stand up and I want to get, is there, I want to bring it back. Is there a joke that you've done like a couple times that you feel like it's crossed a, a line for you that you're like, I want to go. I, I, I can't haven't, no, keep doing no, this joke. I, honestly, it's not even for me. I feel like I'm crossing the line for everyone else a little bit and mm. a little bit for, I mean, I don't know. It's not a line necessarily. I've never said anything where I'm like, I feel bad about saying that. Right. But I want to be relatable to, I want to be liked to by a bigger audience and not just by, people who like fucked up shit right yeah so well that's the you gotta you gotta be very careful of like the kind of audience that you attract in traffic you know right it's gotta be because you gotta keep if you're doing the you know comedy's a bargain between you and the audience and if you're doing stuff that's attracting a certain kind of audience then it's like well do i want to keep doing that forever or do i want to go back to what feels a little bit more like me and not be so it's 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 pandering, but it's not pandering. Or like at least a, have both. Yeah, I'm not opposed to having a fucked up joke, but right. then I want to follow it with a, a regular joke. That's how I feel. Yeah, I'm in a place where I'm like, I want to do. I like doing jokes that are kind of fucked up, but I'll also temper it by being like, I make a joke, you know, two oh, percent milk, blah blah blah, and just like you know, some yeah benign stuff. Sometimes that's even fun to go really fucked up and then just say something. Oh, you guys didn't like that? Okay, I'll do a joke about this. Then. Yeah. Sometimes I would do – there's jokes that I have in this album that are about pedophiles and pedophilia. And there are times when I would be running the set where, like, I knew I had to run the entire joke. Uh-huh. I had to run the entire bit just to get it out. Right. And there are times when people would falter on, like, the first part of the pedophile bit. And I'd be like, I mean, I hope you guys – I'm just going to double down on this pedophile joke right. because I have to. And people would laugh at that, and then they would laugh at the second part of it. Right. Which I didn't expect because I was like, you guys didn't like the first half. Sometimes they need to be reminded, hey, lighten up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Sometimes the joke doesn't hit for me, and I'm like, you're not – you know, it's kind of a hacky line. But I'll be like, oh, you didn't like that? You're not going to like the next 15 minutes. Yeah. Because it's going to get more fucked up than that. And then right. that lets people go, oh, okay. okay. Oh, no, we're okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah you're, he's right. Yeah, we could laugh. It's fine. <laughs> what Do you have any goals that you're pursuing right now, non-comedy? Non-comedy goals. Any personal goals? You know, I so I run and I, I exercise. That's like the major way that I exercise is by running. And I didn't do it a whole lot when I was in Scotland. And my my mile time has been slowly getting worse. I'd like to get back under an eight minute mile again. I I used to be able to run a mile in almost that my best mile times that were about seven ten. So okay. I think I did a seven oh six mile once. I'd like to get back to at least like a seven thirty by the end of the year. I don't think that that's impossible. Oh, I bet you could do it right now if you forced yourself. I've tried. That's the thing. Like I'm not walking around and also i was smoking a lot i'm i'm in the oh, process of quitting cigarettes? smoking cigarettes yeah oh yeah that'll do it i'm on today is day eight 
Of not smoking. Of not smoking. And that's the thing. I wasn't doing it enough where it was like uh, affecting my ability to like run around Uh as much. But now I'm like, oh, it kind of was. Yeah. And I think I was just out of form in in terms of like how to run properly. So I got to get back into that. I could honestly, I could probably do like a consistent seven and a half minute mile by the end of October if I really put my mind to it. But that's a goal. Because I keep running these miles, I'll do like a two yeah, or three mile terrible. run, and then I look at my watch, and I'm like, after it's done, I'm like, oh, that took me like eight and a half minutes or eight minutes. That doesn't feel right. I should be better than that. Yeah, that's that's an easy thing. You just every you set a timer and you try and beat it by five seconds every time. Yeah, or whatever it is. I want to do more yoga too. I got to do a little bit more. I got to up my. I've uh, never done yoga. Yoga's great. It's great for your body. I'm worried that I'll just get horny from all the hot girls in it. You should do uh, home yoga. They have a yoga. men's yoga. Oh, yeah, home yoga. Home, home yoga helps. I'll do home yoga. Though the one, the woman who's the most popular yoga gal on YouTube is Yoga with Adrian, and she's like hot in the attainable way, you know? Okay. Like in like in the girl next door kind I of way. Do, there needs to be a do yoga like a YouTuber, a yoga YouTuber chick that's pretty gross. They're, I'll find I mean, there probably make, is. Yeah, look probably for it. it. I'll look for maybe I'll look for a, like old lady yoga. Yeah, and I'll do that at home. You know, what you or should, even in real life. Go to yeah, go to like there's old old people do yoga. Yeah, go to like some chair yoga classes. Go to the go to the there's. But then we live in an area with so many senior centers. It, I mean, yoga you'll you'll work up to it. You'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. There's the goals. Thanks for doing the podcast. Anything else you want to plug? You have your own podcast. You're still do. doing that. Yeah, still doing that. What's that one called? Blockbusting. Blockbusting. You could find me on there. We talked about Triple X, Xander Cage. It's the return of Xander Cage. Yeah, great movie. Yeah, we talk about movies that we hate and why you hate them. And, and Ari had a great episode on there. Yours is one of the most downloaded episodes. Oh, that's nice. I think you're in the top, at least in the top 15, maybe the top so 10. How many have you done? I 15. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very short podcast. Very, you know, not a lot of movies to hate. Uh, I've done about 160. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay, cool. But yeah, you can find that wherever you find podcasts. Blockbusting. The podcast where we love to hate the movies. That's not part of the title, but I like saying that. It's a good tagline. Yeah, it's a good tagline. Anything else you want to promote your Instagram? Uh, Yeah, you can find my Instagram and Twitter at Diet J. It's the same for both Instagram and Twitter. And uh, keep your your eyes peeled for their album album out uh, probably end of October. But I'll have some details out about that. Um, JLightComedy.com is also where I'll have show dates and other stuff there, too. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Matt Lockwood got 60 Instagram followers from this. Damn. That's power right there. That is. You got, I mean, you got a 60. fan base, dude. You got I, a following. There's a reason well, why your episodes are the top 10 most listened my to episodes. My following is just sub followings of other people, but I'll take it. It's good. I, that's everyone's followings at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Everybody just accumulates people who are like, oh, yeah, I also like that person. People listen to me are. Mostly Theo Vaughn fans and Laugh Factory fans. I mean, that's, that's a good subset. Two, that's the two number one places I've got. I have some of my own followers, but those are the two number one or number one and number two places. That's good. That's a good group. Find me. I'll take it. Yeah. All right. See you next time. See ya. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to, you're listening to unlicensed. 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 Therapy with Ari Manis. Ari